Welcome everyone to the Preschool All-Stars podcast. I'm your host, Joy Anderson with Preschool System, and I'm here today with Dr. Shira Leibowitz. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hello, Joy. It's so good to see you. So we have been able to have the chance to, over the past year, have a lot of Zooms just like this, but now it's really cool because we get to invite um, all of our audience to be able to share and learn what you've learned over the past two years uh, as you've been writing this gorgeous book, Havens of Hope. So my friend, tell me a little bit more about why you wanted to share this. And first, before we do that, let's talk, what is the book about? Go ahead and share with our audience. Absolutely. So the book is about 25 different educational programs, including Joy, and you guys, you are in the book if you're in Joy's program, um, that not only navigated through the challenges of these past two epic years, but got better through it. And, and from the start, from the very beginning, I, I own a child care center and preschool just north of New York City. We're one of the first and worst COVID hotspots in the country, yeah. and we never closed. Mm-hmm. And in those early days, connecting with other ECE educators who, whether we were open or we were switching to remote or we were moving outside or all of the things that we were all doing, we were figuring out so much. And I and I really, being a ratio girl and believing in documentation, felt I was in this moment and wanted to document it. So I set out to write this book, believing that there would be wisdom in, in it that I would need um, the gift of time to look back on to understand how we could apply it in order to move forward. And what's interesting too is, I mean, it could have been just a a blip in our nation's history or the world's history, honestly, you know, but it wasn't, it lasted, we're still dealing with it. And what's amazing for your hindsight is to be able to look back and say, what worked then, what didn't work, and what are we still using today because we went through that. And it's, it's almost something that we're improving our practices. So this book really quick for all of our listeners, Havens of Hope is available. Is that correct? Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Awesome. Okay. So when the podcast episode launches, it will be available today because it'll be tomorrow. But anyways, um, go to Amazon, search Havens of Hope. You'll be able to find it. You'll want your copy. Um, how many author, how many people did you interview for this book 24 programs are in it 25 including mine and including you joy yes so 25 amazing insights into the the pandemic and how it changed preschool and early childhood education practice forever definitely go grab your copy on amazon but we're actually going to give away a free copy um, to one of our listeners today so keep the chat alive we're going to have eyes on the chat and anytime shira says something that is impactful to you please share it. If you have questions, feel free to share those too. We'll answer those at the very end. Uh, But we're going to give away a free copy of this gorgeous book here. So make sure you keep that chat alive. So Shira, you set out on this process, but when you started documenting, of course, what was working for your center, when, like how many months did it take you to say, this needs to be a book? I need to go get some more outside information. It was so fast. Um, It was probably in June of 2020. So um, 
pandemic starts and I, and I feel like we're at this founding moment of education and I see these amazing things our educators are doing. That's actually when I reached out to you, Joy, early on because you were putting out these ads about running online preschool, which I was open. I was doing at the time. Um, and I remember thinking I, I was I was running online programming for the the majority of the families who weren't coming. I was open for the essential workers and remember thinking right before I started it, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like how how could you teach toddlers and preschoolers and infants online? And we were figuring everything out. And I saw your ads and thought, oh, my goodness, this is just amazing. She's stepping up and helping people figure out how to figure this out. And, and hearing your story, it was it, even so much more moving. So I, I had early on, uh, it was April of 2020, I started reaching out to people on social media just saying, can we talk? What are you guys doing? Because the loudest voices at the time were about how horrific everything was, and it was, and how much grief and how much pain. And that was all true. That story is true, was true and is true. But there was this quieter narrative happening under the surface. And um, I was sensing it. I was feeling it. I was living it. And we were we were too busy to spend too much time on social media. Um but, but we wanted to connect. And so, so that was the beginning of the book. And I started to connect with these amazing educators and felt I, all of us, all 25 stories are, we're a drip in the bucket of what happened. Everybody who's listening here who lived through this, lived through this and is part of this story. I definitely wanted to capture more than my piece of the story. And I wanted to capture diverse perspectives who were figuring out different ways of navigating through. And, you know, so often education has been accused of being so slow to change, but we change literally overnight. And I know you talk about in the book, Joy, um, or you talk about, you know, that that experience of um, issuing a two-week challenge to figure out how to move learning online and, and figuring out in a week what would have taken years took a few days. Um, and so I started wondering if we did it because we had to, we can do it because we choose to. Right. I love that. I remember in the early days of the pandemic, you know, doctors pulling their resources together to find the hope through all of this, to find the solutions. And I absolutely agree that the education sector, you know, completely changed overnight as well when all schools shut down worldwide and having to create, like having to pull together, that's what you were doing. You're saying, okay, we're all living through this. Let's all come together now and find out what's working because there were some brilliant different ideas. So uh, you mentioned, yes, we uh, led the way to, to talk about how to teach online preschool, but now you chatted with some amazing other educators. What were some other really interesting ways that you have heard that they started doing during that time? People started their own schools. So there were parents or educators who said, we have to do something and created these pods that um, all, all of the ones who are in the book were so good that they never closed. They are full on schools now because what they created, because um, for their own situations, the remote learning that schools with heart and with soul and with compassion and giving so much and, and did good work, but it wasn't enough for them. It wasn't working for them. So they created full on schools mm -hmm. and showed us how we can create 
full-on schools. So creating schools, um, moving learning online and in moving learning online, finding what was that core of learning that mattered most that transcended any challenge or any limitation or any constraint that you could ground into um, or moving learning outside the outdoor programs that flourished through this time. And COVID was a catalyst for them, but it was about far more than COVID and they've remained vibrant and outside throughout and have developed this confidence and this resilience that they can do things that would have seemed impossible. We made things, all of us, we made the impossible, not only possible, but absolutely routine. It became every day, it became normal, it became what we do. And in the midst of it, we didn't often step back and say, we're doing this. Oh my goodness, look at what we're doing. It just was, right? It's just, this is what we're doing. Uh, you know, people stepped up and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to take that first step and we'll keep figuring it out along the way, right? Yes. And so we were able to ground deeply into what mattered most to us when we were intentional. Um, and or, or one of your quotes in the book, Joy, that I love and have used numerous times is we shattered the norms of what learning can be. We absolutely showed the world that the way we thought things had to be doesn't have to be the way things have to be. I think, too, about the online sphere. And I mean, if you had asked parents and asked me, you know, prior COVID, hey, could you consider, you know, putting your kiddo on online school every day, all day, you know, for school or whatever, school hours. I would have said like, no, <laughs> but there are so many, I mean, I think it absolutely opened our eyes to, we thought it was our belief. We shattered limiting beliefs. We had a belief that it wouldn't work that way. And then we showed people a way it would work. Um, could you talk a little bit about Reggio and, you know, the past crises that have, developed these beautiful teaching philosophies and how those were born? Absolutely. So one of the earliest moments in the pandemic, it was it was early April, and I had been early on um, determined to try not to have to furlough my staff, not to have to close and not to have to furlough my staff. And after the first round of paycheck protection plan loans went through, and I yeah. didn't get the first round, got the second round, um, although I had gotten in my application quickly. And, and at that point, payroll was coming out of my own savings and, and it was just scary, right? There was no way. So I had to, it was only about six weeks. I had to furlough most of my staff. So I had this one room open and it was eerie because this whole center is dark except for this one open room. Mm -hmm. I'm in this room with two other staff people and inside so it was the most amazing moment of learning I think I've ever experienced in my career. So the kids were, they, they were deep into water. We thought they'd be interested in germs and COVID. They could care less. Um, but, you know, hand washing was obviously a very big deal. So they were getting into playing with water and splashing with water. They built a car wash. They built baths for their animals. And then one of the kids built what he called his highway to happiness. Because when you have a clean car, you have to drive it. <laughs> so when you drive it, right? So 
he um, had the cars driving down this highway, uh, ended in this beautiful sunrise he cut out of a book and glued it to the cardboard. And um, it was the highway to happiness. And you can go anywhere in the world you wanted to go. So we're all sitting around chatting where we would go in the world, anywhere we wanted. And I stepped back and thought, like, this is the the child-centered, project-based learning I've always wanted to create. They are taking what's important to them in their world now, which for them, how beautiful was water and was hope. It wasn't about germs and grief and COVID. Um, and they're bringing it alive in their world. And, and all we're doing is giving them the materials and giving them the space. Mm. And I stepped back and I thought, um, I remembered Reggio. And, and I'm a Reggio program. The Reggio was born in the days following World War II, Northern Italy, an area of Italy that had been very active in the Italian Civil War. There was an Italian Civil War as well as World War II and uh, in the resistance against fascism. The place was devastated and they, um, using land donated by a farmer, bricks from bombed out buildings, funding that they got from selling a tank and a couple of horses the Germans had left behind, built this preschool to support their youngest children to be able to stand against the oppression, injustice, inequity they knew would still come. Although the war was over, oppression, injustice, inequity, fascism was not gone. And so they built this preschool. And so lots of people talk about Reggio as relationship-rich, project-based, documenting learning. And I, and I do love all of those pieces of it. But for me, it was always about that grounding moment in the days following World War II. And I stood there, and, and Northern Italy was one, also one of the first and worst hotspots. And I stood there thinking, those preschoolers are now in their 70s experiencing this pandemic in a hotspot. Like, they are still on this planet around with us. And I just kind of got the chills and, and, and did this very quiet prayer for them and for us and wondered if we too might be standing at the beginning of something new and the ability to transform our experiences into this deep purpose-driven learning that goes beyond excellent pedagogy as, as real Reggio does or real Montessori or real Waldorf. I started learning or or so many approaches. It's, it's, it's not about the approach. It's about what's under the approach and that grounding in purpose. Absolutely. And I was talking to Sally Hoy too, uh, fairy dust teaching, and she loves Reggio. And she shared that, you know, when we bring it back to just love, you know, when we have these kiddos around us and we bring everything back to just love and how can we help them succeed in life? But it, it's not it's not what curriculum do I teach? What material, you know, it's not that let me give the like specific lesson plan, et cetera. It's here's this child in front of me and how can I help them to get to wherever they need to be in their life? And what, you know, think about your environment, right? You know, create the environment to support the child's interests. And like you said, you put out the water and you just, wow, right? Yes. And, and I love that you talk about Sally being grounded in love. Um, one of the things since the book was published, the book ends with talking about, you know, it's, it's our time to write our next chapter uh, in the ways that we choose to. And so I've been doing so much reflection and so much teaching and so much connecting with other educators. 
And what I've come to is um, we, we can ground ourselves in this one word purpose and this one word expands out to everybody. So, you know, for Reggio, it was equity or justice. For Maria Montessori, living through two world wars in Europe, it was peace. She was, she was badass. She was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Like she really believed she was a warrior for world peace mm -hmm. and peace on the planet began with these peaceful early, early childhood classrooms. So when you see these peaceful Montessori classrooms, it's about so much more than this um, powerful pedagogy. Um, and I, I started exploring Maria Montessori actually thinking, well, we can have, we used to have all of these group projects with kids' hands and each other's materials. And when we were worried about germs and hands, I was trying to think, well, what's a sound pedagogic playful way that we could be more COVID safe? And I thought I, I need to look at Montessori and her materials because they're individual materials and became really um, much more enamored with her and her approach. But it, 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 was, it was about being grounded in this deep, deep purpose. And, I, and I've been teaching a lot recently about finding that purpose for yourself, because because for everybody it can be different. Uh, for me, it's become well-being because when when there wasn't physical safety, when there wasn't social emotional safety, that that if we could create this, what the title of the book became, Havens of Hope. If we could create this haven of hope, if we could create this place where you can be okay, and then help you develop the skills, teachers as well as as students develop the skills to find your way to be okay, even when facing adversity, then we've given you the tools you need to be successful, no matter what the future brings. Yeah. So when you were chatting with everybody, what were some of the difficulties with the children that the educators were seeing? What were some of the feelings, emotions, behaviors, concerns that the children were experiencing through this? Um, these were educators who were very intentionally creating a support structure for the kids to be okay. So maybe paradoxically, they were seeing kids doing better than at other times. I mean, those who moved learning outside, those who were really connected, Schools that I spoke to that did have to move online and were doing really extraordinary work staying connected, um, were seeing a lot of mental health challenges and spoke about that, particularly with older children, those who were working with older children. The book does talk about early childhood. It also talks about K through 12 and um, heard much more from the middle and high school educators about isolation, mental health, self-harm behaviors. Um which also connected, connected them and connected me and listening to them back in this um, grounding and how can we support well-being even when it's hard and even when so much is stacked against us and even when there's so much trauma we're experiencing. Yeah, I think too, like, and you mentioned, you know, we all lived through it. it what's interesting, and this is something I'm still trying to wrap my mind around, but every person we interact with has gone through the trauma. We're all living through a collective trauma. And sometimes we forget to give each other grace because everyone deals and has dealt with that trauma over the past two years differently, you know? And I think about the children going through school now and you know, you've got these 
you know, maybe they were babies and now they're entering, you know, um, I guess pre-preschool, uh, little toddlers, or you've got the, the preschoolers who maybe missed out on all of that and are starting to hit kindergarten. Um, how can we support these young preschoolers who went through the pandemic and now they're coming up on preschool age, you know, three to five? What practices have you learned through your book and all of your research that you would say, you know, based on everything we've learned these past two years, let's make sure we keep these tenants in place. Let's make sure we, if possible, add these items to our foundation. Um, don't worry about self-imposed. This is where you have to be at this stage, at this moment, right? Mm -hmm. If a child is not at whatever the school system has deemed grade level now, this wasn't even what the school deemed grade level 15 years ago. Why does that even matter, right? What matters, really ground into what matters for kids to be able to thrive today, right now, and well into the future. And if that means that um, not 100% of kids are at grade level in reading and math in this moment, it's okay. It's okay. And, and I know that in the public system, that's so hard because so much pressure is placed on those scores. Um, but I think that the, the K to 12 space has a lot to learn from early childhood that has really um, taken that. Let's take the kids where they are in, in a much more direct way. And I, I, I'm different than most of the early childhood folk in that I, um, I have taught and led programs of people for literally every age from birth through doctoral students in education. Most of my career was at a principal of elementary and middle schools. And I, I teach doctoral students. And uh, I came to early childhood in, in 2019, right before the pandemic, because I had spent so many years of my career trying to pull the play and project-based magic of early childhood up through the grades. And it was a hard fight. And there came a point where I decided very intentionally, I wanted to go into early childhood and set that foundation as strong as I could. And from there, try to speak K to 12. And, and I didn't anticipate a pandemic in the middle, but I think now more than ever, um, the wisdom of early childhood speaks loudly. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, you have something exciting going on. So for everyone who is loving what she is sharing, and I wanted to have her on here. I said, as soon as your book is written, girl, you tell me as soon as they can grab a copy, because I need to have you on my podcast. I need to share this with everyone. Um, we all lived through it, but we need to take the lessons that we, that others have gained, and we need to add those into our future teaching. These are so precious children that um, I think too, as parents, really quick, I want to wrap up what we had just talked about. Um, as parents, if you have a child who is not, you know, quote, up to par or reading a certain, uh, sorry, meeting a certain standard from other people's eyes, give yourself grace, give your child grace, take a breath and realize that you have a runway in front of you and it's a long runway. And, you know, it's paved with educators and people with beautiful hearts that want to support your child. So just know your kiddo's going to be okay. Um, but let's talk about your book club. Now, quick reminder, everyone who's listening, keep the comments going. If you have any last questions for Shira about her book, um, we're going to get to those in just a minute. She's uh, 
you know, creating the book about redesigning education from the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, we're going to give away a free copy of that book called Havens of Hope. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about your book club that's coming up. I'm going to drop a link right now to the book club and you share all about it so that we can go sign up for your book club. Absolutely. So it's free. It starts uh, tomorrow when this is filming today, tonight, um, and you'll get the replays. So if you're listening to this later, you can go back onto my website. It's uh, revabilities.com, R-E-V-A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E-S.com. And you'll find a link to, to get the replay, even if you're listening to this later. Um, it's three sessions and really structured so that even if you have not yet read the book, because it's it's starting the day the book is coming out, so I don't expect that people have read it, um, you'll be able to engage and really take the time to reflect on the wisdom you've earned, because you have earned, not only learned, you have earned this wisdom, and you um, owe it to yourself and to your students to take the time to take the deep breaths, to connect with others, and to really make choices about your next steps as you move forward. So and the book club is designed to do that. Sorry, the book club is designed to do that. Um, so there'll be a, a little bit of training. There'll be some uh, questions that you'll be able to jump in and answer and chat with each other and time for q and I love that. And you said, uh, I'm just going to write here, you know, the free book club. Guys, everybody go sign up right now. Um, it's going to be a transformational experience for you to go through that. Can you imagine having spent the past two years, uh, those of our listeners listen to this, you know, could you imagine if you were the one who had spent two years researching and chatting with educators across the globe about how they were using, um, you know, how they were redefining education in their ECE classrooms. If you had all that wisdom, right? Wow. All the things you would know. This book gives that to you. You didn't need to spend two years to go research and spend all the time. It's right here. It's a beautiful, easy read. I love it. Now we want to give away a free copy of the book. So um, I'm going to just peek through the comments really quickly here. And um, I love this here. Somebody said, give me one second here. Okay. Um, Jade Nichelle Moore you just want a free copy of the book. She says, I signed up. I know it's going to be so great. So Jade, um, I'll send you a DM and we'll get your address so we can get a new copy of the book over to you. Um, so the book club is going on right now. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast or the YouTube channel, just click in the description. You'll see the link for the book club right there. I'm going to post the video right now and the audio right now. But Tuesday, August 23rd is when the book goes live on Amazon. So you can, can they pre-order right now? They can. They Perfect. Can pre Order it today while you have it on your mind. Go grab your copy. And of course, it'll, it'll be there to you tomorrow. So Shira, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we go? There's one thing, which is um, the, the way that I, I found the people to interview for the book was, was very unscientific. Um, I put out a couple of social media posts saying, ah, I feel like many of us are getting better and, and not talking about it that loudly. Is that you? I'm writing a book about it. Would you like to be included? And so people responded. Um, but there were a few people that, that I reached out to and Joy, you were one of them because I was seeing your ads teaching people how to move preschools online and thinking 
that is so innovative and that is so um, hopeful, which was the word on my mind, and so so resourceful that we can figure this out. So I, I feel I just want to say I feel blessed to speak with you and your audience. Um, you are people who inspired me without even knowing me throughout these months of pandemic. And, and I really look forward to connecting. That's awesome. Well, everyone go get your copy right now. It's beautiful. You'll love it. You'll feel inspired. You'll feel motivated. And I think most of all, like you said, hopeful, you'll feel encouraged and hope for the future with your beautiful students that you're teaching. Shira, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much, Joy. We'll see you. Yes.